0: I imagine, like, when the first Project Paperclip uh, hiree started coming over and talking to uh, folks in the American space exploration program, that, like, these fucking Nazis would fuck with them and be like... like Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been to the moon. We've seen the moon people. They're quite nice. <laughs> in fact, we've shared technology with them. They, they showed us how to blow up the rockets, and in exchange, we, we taught them how to make sausage and cheese.
1: It turns out they're also Nazis, so you may have a problem when you go there in 20 years, huh? <laughs>
2: Hello, friends and enemies. It's episode 130 of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. We don't we talk this week about something we haven't really actually spent much time talking about. Like, I mean, there's always just so much going on. And, you know, we got to pick and choose what we're going to devote our attention to. Also, a lot of just, like, dumbass shit that happens all the time. It's like, is this really worth devoting a bunch of attention to? But headlines come and go around the tech billionaire space race, right? Like we haven't spent a lot of time talking about the kind of like space feudalism, celestial colonialism, like, you know, new frontierism uh, that that's, you know, really motivating some of the biggest grandest desires and ambitions around tech billionaires, like, you know, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Richard Branson as a very distant third place runner up, uh but in the latest issue of The Baffler, you know, Corey Payne, who's a, a a really great writer and reporter about the tech sector uh and and has a has a book called Live Work Work Die uh, it's all about. You know, his time, like in the, in the tech sector, like doing interviews and studying, uh, you know, the, the techies and the culture of like companies and, and, and stuff. And, and, you know, the people that work there. But, uh, Corey Payne has a really good essay, long essay in the Baffler called Dawn of the Space Lords. Billionaires have big plans to expand their dominion. So we thought, all right, now. Now that we got a really good in-depth piece now to, to to riff on and discuss, now is the time to finally talk about the the tech billionaire space race. Also, because this shit just ain't going away. Like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, like they continue to pump more money into it, uh, pump more hucksterism and boosterism uh, into trying to either get people on board with these plans or you know force people to acquiesce to to their grand schemes for uh you know interplanetary domination or whatever the fuck so it's beautiful we got yeah. to do it Ed. we got to do it yeah. we got to talk about it <laughs> i feel so resigned so often with some of, with some of this stuff where it's just like all right, I guess we got to talk about it. (laughs) We, we have done this to ourselves by starting a, a tech and political economy podcast. That's critical. We have chained ourselves to the content mills and I've had to spend more time and energy thinking about stuff um, for the sake of being like, all right, let's do an episode about it. Than I would have, if not for TMK. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, we did do this ourselves, but it all is also, you know, We'd be lying if we said that we didn't have a little fun. You know, we do like it. Oh,
0: we- <laughs> absolutely. But before we get rolling on the, the conversation about this, I, I, I would be remiss not to mention that the dawn of like these Space Lords was predicted in a stoner rock song with the app name of Space Lord. Hell yeah. And for you to get an idea of how spot on they were, were predicting this assholeish behavior, I'm going to read you the first uh, verse of the song. And it goes as such, I've been stuffed in your pocket for the last hundred days. When I don't get my bath, I take it out on the slaves. So grease up your baby for a ball on the hill. Polish them rockets now and swallow them pills. And that's the first verse of the song. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I remember this song, but by, uh, by I didn't know the name of the band until I, I looked it up just now, Monster Magnet. But you, the as Monster soon as Magnet. you hear that first riff, yeah. it, it definitely brought me back to the days of like in the 90s, listening to the alternative rock station uh, yeah. um, in the Gulf Coast and and this song <laughs> would come on.
1: <laughs> wow, that they nailed it. I think they nailed it in that first Part of the verse.
2: All right, let's get into it then. Let's get into it because I think you're exactly right here, Jeremy, as well to bring up some stoner rock. (laughs) I'm very apropos uh, because. Like this is basically like the, the vision of what it means to venture off into space, to go to Mars, to have, you know, orbital space stations that are more like commercial ventures, like uh, you know, asteroid mining, whatever, like like the long running vision of a lot of this has essentially been based on a form of like space capitalism, right? a, a form of like, you know, imperial frontierism applied to the to the stars uh like like i think there is something to the fact that you know this has been the overriding kind of imaginary of how this would uh happen if it ever were to happen and and you know it's also no mistake that you know Bezos and Musk aren't just bringing this into or trying to bring this into reality out of nothing. Like they were influenced by that same kind of like sci-fi. But as we've talked about so often, like they read that stuff and see it as like a blueprint for their ambitions rather than what it's often written as, which is a a kind of warning uh, against uh, this, 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 you know, this future.
1: You know, this future that we've talked about also in some other, the way the group different groups of people who envision the future and in what ways they envision the future consistently. we've talked a bit about how billionaires and tech utopians don't ha- have visions of the future which aren't really immediately the same, but overlap on some key areas. talked a little bit about like you know the the sort of like frontierism that have that's popped up in imaginaries when we're thinking about how the future is full of like nice plush un, um, settled land that is waiting for us to imprint ourselves on. We've also talked about like the different types of technologies and the ways in which certain technologies go with certain visions of the future, whether it's making everything go faster and smoother, whether it's making everything more of a transaction, whether it's making everything more of like less people or more invisible people, right? Um, and also talked about, some of the different drivers behind it, some of it being the sci-fi and, and these libertarians and these billionaires and these utopians, just not really fucking getting that they were reading a dystopian book, um, (laughs) instead of an instruction manual or others with poor understandings, Of the tech and having uh, bad interpretations of it or thinking that actually it was interesting that the dystopian aspect was interesting and maybe they should have or because they just have like a fundamentally like anti-human desire or, you know, uh, vision for how people should relate to each other, you know, whether that means like we let's have a startup that allegedly uh, drains blood from young people and puts them into older (laughs) people. You know, or let's have a startup where uh, anybody can pick themselves up by the bootstraps and be a servant for someone for five minutes. Um, there's like a lot of configurations with the future. But I think that what we're seeing increasingly is the billionaires, because of all the money that they have, you know, out of the visions that we don't like, theirs is becoming the more increasingly the more dominant one, whether or not it's actually real, right? Because mm-hmm. they also sit at the intersection of uh, types of financiers and government co- connections and then capital allocation, right? And then also in shaping the taste and the culture and the desires in the public for certain types of technologies,
2: yeah, I'm also beginning to question myself too. And I mean, so much of this is like empirical questions that require like crawling into the minds of these people, which is impossible to do. But like, I'm beginning to wonder how much like, you know, the the kind of like sci-fi element of a lot of this stuff, right? Like, oh, you know, uh, Elon Musk read, you know, Isaac Asimov's foundation series. And even, you know, like, you know, put, put, digital copies of the foundation series in one of the SpaceX rockets that, you know, went, took off as like this symbolic gesture or like, you know, as we'll get into right, like Bezos is like super influenced by, uh you know, Ian Banks' culture series, and like, which is wild because Ian Banks is
1: a is a libertarian socialist. But go on, I just it's just he's an anarchist. He's a <laughs> well, left anarchist. That's
2: the, that's the thing, right? And like, and like, you know, also like Bezos is you know a self-proclaimed uh, a self-proclaimed Trekkie, right? You like he brought up William Shatner and one of in that you know in that uh Blue Origins rocket and st- like, but I also do wonder how. How much a lot of this is like myth building in themselves, right? How yeah. much of a lot of this is like there is like very post hoc. Kind of justifications for what they want to do, right? They can point to these like beloved classic sci-fi series to be like, "I'm making this into reality," you mm-hmm. know. And it, it, it works very well to like build up their uh, a myth around these uh, around these billionaires is just you know just nerds who had dreams and made those mm-hmm. dreams into realities. Versus they hustled for the real. yeah, and I wonder too how much of that is also just like post hoc uh, PR bullshit as well, where it's like, it, no, the reality might very well be more so that like Isaac Asimov or Ian Banks or, or, or Star Trek or, you know, Gene Roddenberry, whatever, like all that is just very convenient uh, excuses and justifications for stuff they already want to do and, and also mask how they want to do it too, right? You know, based on things like, you know, establishing monopoly, uh, establishing and, you know, escaping the, the laws of Earth or, you know, right. so they can establish their own, you know, uh, you know, Mars fiefdom or whatever, right? Like this is all stuff they want to do for the pursuit of uh, megalomaniacal power and profit and like the sci-fi stuff, which is always like, you know, this obligatory passage point, right? Like we got to discuss it. We got to talk about, it. we got to talk about how Elon Musk likes Isaac Asimov. We got to talk about how Jeff Bezos likes Ian Banks. We got to talk about all this and everything that's written about it. But like at the end of the day, whether intentional or not, it's some good PR myth building for, for these people.
0: I mean, it's like the cognitive dissidence that people have when you're reading science fiction and not paying attention. I mean, it's like obvious, like in Star Trek, they achieve space exploration through collectivism. You know, there's no way we're all going to be able to like do this if one small percentage of the people in the world are hoarding all of its wealth and not sharing it with other people. It's the same cognitive dissidence of like, Paul Ryan said he works out the regents against the machine, but doesn't listen to the words like motherfucker. The words are right there. It's like fucking clear as day what they're saying. Like the, it's just the amount of cognitive dissonance that people said that like something that influences them, but they don't really fucking get the real context of it. It Just blows my mind.
2: Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, it's just pure symbolism, right? It's just pure symbolic capital um, that they can use to point to their own like authenticity or their own street cred or or whatever but you know at the end of the day all the sci-fi stuff aside like you know they are putting a lot of capital uh and a, a lot of a lot of you know time and resources and energy uh into both trying to research and develop you know, uh, space technologies and in, in different ways. Like we'll get into this, uh, Corey Payne in his essay really does a great job of laying out how Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos have, uh, two very different and explicitly competing views of what, uh, uh of what the, the purpose and goal and, and means and ends of, um, this kind of new space race should be. Uh, And we'll get into that. I think it's very interesting to pick apart how there is, like, there is not consensus uh you know forming around one one idea of what this should look like. There's very different competing goals happening. You know, at the end of the day, all the sci-fi imaginary stuff aside, you know, they are devoting a lot of capital, a lot of resources, a lot of time to to building it, but also to selling it, selling it to the public as something that people should buy into, but even more so selling it to the government as something that they ought to be uh, signing huge lucrative contracts um over to blue origins and spacex uh to for funding right like because that's also another thing is there's there's not a lot of private funding going into uh the the you know the, the the billionaire space race it's personal funding so it's you know it's when jeff bezos said after after that you know rocket would uh, William Shatner landed right into like near, you know, after they went up near orbit, and and he said, you know, I want I want to thank all the employees at Amazon and all the customers of Amazon. Y'all paid for this, right? Like, there's a lot of personal wealth that's funding this, but also a lot of uh, big public government contracts that are funding this. But but suspiciously, very few uh, private uh venture capital or private investment funding this um which i think also tells you as well what venture capital is interested in which is not even though google says they're interested in moonshots that they don't actually mean going to the moon right like like they mean stuff that's going to have like really certain return on investment and currently uh, as it exists the 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 this you know the this this tech space race um it looks more like You know, burning money in you know in the atmosphere rather than actually returning any kind of investment. I wanna I wanna just just to help set the scene a little bit. I wanna read um, a short passage uh, from the beginning of Corey Payne's article where he says. It's too soon to say whether decades of unchecked privatization have blunted the U.S. edge in space or whether corporations given generous subsidy can surpass the achievements of the 1960s, but it is clear the objective of the civilian space program have already shifted. The pursuit of profit has subsumed the pursuit of knowledge. It is no accident that the two men who perennially compete for the title of world's wealthiest have chosen to funnel their fortunes into rockets, satellites, space stations, and plans for off world colonies. That's how they expect to keep winning at capitalism and eventually to appropriate the powers of government. And I think that really helps us see that, you know, the. This isn't just a redux of the 1960s of JFK, you know, saying, you know, we, we are choosing to go to the moon, you know, as, which was itself a show of, of U.S. hegemonic might against the, um, against the Soviet Union. Uh, but, you know, couched in this term, uh, or in these terms of very like, public goals of you know the pursuit of knowledge the next step for humankind you know moving you know moving man from earth to the stars like all of that but but that now it's quite explicitly not about that it's quite explicitly about like pretty hard edge Capitalist goals of you know private uh, a private profit uh, privatization commercialization uh, and control over access to these off world whether it's space stations or or colonies
1: and I liked also how you know Corey's piece then kind of hones in on that moment hones in on two things right the first thing that it hones in on is the fact that when you're going to space like even if we are to take this Seriously, as a, a fair moral moment. When you're going to space, there's quite literally nothing to do beyond those few minutes of weightlessness, right? So you're being sold bragging rights, but also access to the overview effect, right? Which, you know, he writes about is like this quote, an epiphany said to affect those who behold Mother Gaia from above. I think, you know, a way to think of it is like, Ego death, if you take a high enough dose of a psychoactive drug, right? Um, and he hones in on the example where William Shatner tried to express, you know, how overwhelmed with emotion he was and the vision that he had when he was looking at the planet. And Bezos basically told him to shut the fuck up and then popped a bottle of champagne in his face. That should tell us, okay, like, okay, The on the one hand, they're selling bragging rights for this transcendental experience, that if if there's a material thing they're offering in the immediacy, it's this bragging rights and the possibility to have this transcendental experience, but that they don't actually even care about it because it's a PR victory and they will celebrate mm-hmm. as thus. I mean, he celebrated the fact that they got to go there and back, not reflecting on like if they had that experience in the first place right it's an expensive ticket it's an overpriced ticket to help build the groundwork for and to subsidize efforts for building our infrastructure so that they can go out there and as he said you know cement their dominance on earth by crafting policy and infrastructure and experiences off of earth the next part right where he begins trying to say, okay, well you know like if this is just charter flights for week for I mean week but also wealthy people, this doesn't really matter, does it? And it doesn't but like as we were saying, you know as I said as Jason says, you said, Jeremy like all of this is a stepping stone, right uh, because by uh, g- creating a reality of space tourism, by getting that in the culture's mind, by normalizing that through policy and by creating the infrastructure for it, you normalize the idea that private companies should be involved in space exploration and exploitation, right? And that this will have a positive transformative effect on the economy, which is another reason for why it should happen. And that this should also mean that the industry should follow the same Dynamics as other industries This should be concentrated. It should be monopolized. It should get subsidies. It should have private public partnerships. It should uh, help you know accelerate or make the worst make worse the parts of our political system that we don't like. The lobbying, uh, whether or social inequality, right, or the ability to transform economic power into political and cultural power, and it should empower these billionaires even further, and empower then you know as Ted Cruz says, the first trillionaire. Um, you know, that, that the space right now is a joke, but that is partly because of how early it is. And then also partly because, um, it's an effort, I guess, on some level to distract from how key this will be in selling and ginning up fantasies and justifying market Uh, trends or justifying monopolist monopolization trends that will yield the first trillionaire or yield the first corporation to have some ridiculous amount of political power um, on earth in space on another planet right
2: yeah and i mean even in like cory Payne's piece like i mean you know Talk about the sci-fi, right? Even like, you know, Corey Payne's talking about how Ted Cruz was himself weaned on the science fiction of Robert Heinlein or Heinlein, right? And, and, and I mean, come on, man, like you, you can't, you can't be explicit about like Starship Troopers being what influenced Mm -hmm. you to think about like, you know, space and commercialization. Like you can't be so explicit as to be like, yeah, no, I love that techno fascist shit. I'm Ted Cruz. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. come on. Um, But the, the fact that Ted Cruz was, you know, that, that, you know, he led the Senate Commerce Subcommittee on Space Science and Competitiveness, right, and authored the U.S. Commercial Space Launch Competitiveness Act of 2015, which was, you know, signed by Barack Obama. You know, Cruz has also, as you were saying, right, saying, you know, pre- you know, saying the first trillionaire will be made in space, you know, that's going to be Bezos or Musk at this rate, right? Um, but also saying that, like, you know, space should be, uh, a site where, you know, the whole role of the U.S. government is to establish laws that then allow for people to essentially, if you know, do finders keepers in space. Uh, they're trying to establish the legal framework or Ted Cruz in particular is doing a lot of work to establish the legal framework of making things like asteroid mining a reality, making things like, uh, you know, space colonies a reality, right? Being like, you can, you know, if you find it in space, you get to keep it right and the whole idea is meant to be like establishing these incentives for private commercial enterprise to do you know what Ted Cruz doesn't want or doesn't think that agencies like NASA um, are capable of doing or or rather he does or at the very least he just doesn't want them to be the ones doing it instead you know he wants uh, to you know uh, to to affirm that you know that Sending humans to Mars is one of the most critical tasks for Americans. You know, something that uh, Donald Trump has endorsed and Joe Biden has just been silent on uh, in terms of like a, a stated goal of U.S. empire. But, you know, it's also things like like I think this is a good transition a little bit to talk about like Musk and Bezos, like very different views of what space uh space colonialism you know space feudalism you know uh a uh, uh, privatized you know uh, uh, space exploration all that like they they have very different views of what that would look like and i think we you know in I've certainly been guilty of this to some extent as well of just kind of like casually observing all the headlines and all the news around like, you know, uh, is, is SpaceX or is Blue Origin going to be the first one to, you know, have a rocket go up into near orbit and come back down and be, you know, do this like reusable rocket or whatever, um, you know, it, it's a. I think casual observer, we can overlook that like they have very different ideas of what this ought to look like. Like for Musk, it really is about like space feudalism. It really is about like you know, space is the next frontier for uh, you know, capitalist uh, imperialism. Like it reads to me a lot more like a kind of uh, you know. uh, Dutchie Cindy's Company style of exploration, right? Where it's like, you know, just as the Dutchie Cindy's Company uh, was given uh, this kind of it was called like a franchise government right it was essentially given all the power and sovereignty of a gov- of a franchise of the government so that they could go out and do colonialism it could do exploitation it could do extraction it could do imperialism it could you know set up all of this in the name of the state but also in the name of the the Dutch East Indies company as a quasi state and it's like i think that's very much what musk is thinking of for Mars, right? It's like not going to the East Indies. We're going to the we're going to Mars, but it's ultimately the same kind of dynamic that he's you know he's he's planning for and, and wanting to to make into reality, right? Like you know, I'll just read a little bit from Corey Payne summarizing Musk's vision here, but you know, he says. You know, Musk thinks he can get to Mars before Russia, China, or NASA. The billionaire's plans entail an unprecedented allocation of resources toward an unconscionably risky enterprise with no discernible upside for the typical Earthling. Musk pictures a fleet of 1,000 plus spaceships lurking in orbit until the arrival of a favorable launch window whereupon the Mars colonial fleet would depart in mass, ferrying 80,000 people per year on a brisk 80 day journey to the red planet after a period of 40 to 100 years he figures a million humans would live and work there uh, for musk presumably doing whatever he wants right so like he really is thinking about like the mars colony as this this needs to be the driving motivation behind developing and implementing these space technologies the
0: reason why they're accelerating this so much is because they they were born in a time where there's no no actual lands on this planet to colonize. They know the technology's not there to colonize space yet, but they still feel the need to accelerate that. It's not out of a a need to beat, you know, the commies to space. It's a need to like claim ownership over something where governance has no place you know, the same way Dutch East Indies companies did. And when they, you know, sent their company ships to the new lands or, you know, the new world essentially did the same thing. It was just fucking history repeating itself. And it's just, you know, instead of it being global colonization, it's like space colonization. Hmm. Desperately hoping that there isn't uh, a native population for them to decimate. Like we've done time in and time out and every every attempt to colonize
2: yeah i mean i think i think you're exactly right here jeremy mm-hmm. is there there does seem to be this like colonial imperative right and it does it it seems that you know and, i mean we've talked about this a lot with you know tech colonialism we've talked about this with the like the the libertarian you know, motifs around whether sea seasteading or the, uh, you know, the shit that's happening in like Honduras or, you know, Central and South America where they're trying to establish these, you know, these like little like crypto city states um, or crypto land for that matter, right? Like there does seem to be, well, not seem, there is, right? We know this from the work of people like Rosa Luxemburg, of Lenin right? A lot of the, the really, uh, you know Marx and Engels as well. A lot of the really uh, um, intense political, economic, materialist analysis of capitalism shows time and time again that that imperialism is a core imperative of capitalism for various reasons, right? Some of that is a is a will to power that we've talked about. Some of that as well is more economic, right? It's about finding these uh these these spatial fixes, right? These these. These lands and peoples where you can exploit the labor, where you can offload over accumulated capital, you know, other goods and services, um, uh, onto, on onto new markets, right? Like, there is this need for constant expansion within capitalism. And I think you're right, Jeremy, that like someone like Elon Musk looks around at the world and he, and, and like Alexander, he weeps. He weeps because there's no other there's no other lands left for him to conquer, you know. And so instead, he must look outside of the earth. He must look in, uh, interplanetary um, for lands to conquer. And, and and we can see this as well in terms of like Elon Musk has himself been quite explicit about saying that like existing laws on Earth won't apply in his Martian colonies, right? Uh, that, like, you know, the the the, uh, the terms of service for space, SpaceX's Starlink specify, quote, the parties recognize Mars as a free planet and that no Earth-based government has authority or sovereignty over Martian activities. Uh, accordingly, disputes will be settled through self-governing principles established in good faith at the time of Martian settlement.
0: Good faith, my ass. Good <laughs> faith, my ass. You know, I'm going to... This is this is a warning to anybody that owns a Tesla. If you get behind on your payments, you're going to be a space slave. You're basically just going to he's going to say, "Look, you can well you could pay back your Tesla by working on one of our SpaceX flights to Mars." And when you get to Mars, you're stuck like Chuck, son. You're going to be going to be giving <laughs> Elon and his family baths and shit like they're the House Harkening and fucking Dune. I mean, <laughs> Bezos is going to see that and realize that you know what he's got a a force of people that are more debt than Tesla owners. imagine all the Amazon store credit cards or Amazon credit cards that people are just like maxing out these cards at the Amazon on Amazon, you know, just come to them and say, Hey, I'll wipe away your debt, but you got to come to space with me. I need, I need someone to wash my balls for me. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's like my, my name's chuck and y'all stuck um it's very funny that this is in like the terms of service for spacex's starlink which is their like satellite business um as well that they're trying to smuggle in these like you know declarations of independence into the terms of service but also what 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 uh uh must says echoes almost exactly to the point of plagiarism, um, what like John Perry Barlow said in the, you know, the Declaration of the Independence of Cyberspace, which begins you know, governments of the industrial world, you wary giants of flesh and steel, I come from cyberspace, the new home of mind, on behalf of the future I ask you of the past to leave us alone, you are not welcome among us, you have no sovereignty where we gather, we have no elected government, uh, you know, th- blah 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 etc etc but like this is you know that's exactly this kind of like you know declaration of libertarian independence that musk is trying to you know that was obviously a failure when john perry barlow said that about cyberspace you know Tune in to our reading series on Wendy H.K. Chan's book, Control and Freedom, where we talked ex- extensively about this and, and why it is a, a vision that's doomed to fail and didn't play out in reality whatsoever and, and never was. But Musk is essentially saying, is that like, all right, well, that didn't happen with the Internet. What about Mars? Mars is actually a real place. You know, it's got territory behind it. It's not a cyber place. It's a it's a celestial place, but it's a it's a real place with space. Uh and so, you know, what what if instead that you know, what if instead I I, I give my libertarian declaration of independence there. I remember when you know jokes were going around on Twitter when like you know this this came out that you know Musk was saying that Mars was going to be this you know th- this colony with you know that was a, a self you know self governing uh, you know free from earthly laws and authority and it's just like so, someone asked Musk what the age of consent is on Mars. i, I just I just want to know. I'm just curious.
1: <laughs> just curious. <laughs> it's, they're going to
2: do the crypto island response, and it'll just be like.
1: <laughs> Say the same thing. Yeah. It's the same
0: as it is on crypto Don't yeah. yeah. be surprised if they borrow a lot of their uh, their policies from crypto land. Right. Age is
1: just a mindset,
2: yo. Age is and a mental mindset. Mental maturity
1: is enough, according to crypto land.
2: Yeah, all of this is to say that for, you know, for Musk, it really is quite explicitly uh, about you know establishing a colony that is outside the the bounds of authority and sovereignty of the U.S., which you know. It's, it's, it's a fe- it's a feudal land. It's so clear and so obvious that this isn't like, you know, the, you know, Musk says he favors quote unquote direct democracy. But as Corey Pine uh, points out, right? Uh, Yo, know, okay. Yo, know, sure. Okay. No democracy can exist where one company controls the life support systems. Vote against the boss. No rations for you. Labor unrest. Try striking without oxygen. Musk mm-hmm. claims Mars will be the quote, the planet of opportunity, promising an explosion of entrepreneurial activity because Mars will need everything from iron foundries to pizza joints. You know, Corey goes on, like many awful bosses, Musk imagines intolerable working conditions can be smoothed over with pizza on Fridays. I mean, we only have to look at the way Musk runs his own companies. To know that, uh, you know, the SpaceX Mars colony ain't gonna be a direct democracy. It ain't gonna be a land of, of libertarian freedom and individual entrepreneurialism. Uh, you know, Corey points out, you know, in his, in his own book, in his own book from 2018, uh, where he interviewed people that worked at SpaceX and, and revealed that among some of the employees, SpaceX had a, had a nickname. It's called SlaveX. Because, you know, uh, workers were, uh, you know, routinely subjected to like grueling 12-hour shifts, impromptu 1 a.m. meetings, you know, working around the clock and being micromanaged by Elon Musk, who, you know, Musk bragged, uh, as Corey puts it, about demanding personal approval via email over the smallest production issue, right? Like for him... He, he sees this kind of micromanagerialism as a, as a point of, of, of braggadocia. Um, but you know, that, that this is, this is how he imagines the, the world he wants to build uh, is one with him as, as, as the Mars King, as the techno King, as he himself has renamed right. himself. <laughs> like it's all uh, like it, the, the writing is on the walls everywhere we look. And it's not good. Give Give the
0: people the air, air, Elon. Elon. Give them the air.
1: What do we think then about the competing visions of our friend of the show, um, and Mars Techno King Musk and enemy of the show, um, human overlord Bezos, right? Like Bezos presenting himself as, uh, Cory Pine writes as like a beneficent facilitator of off world commerce. In a strange way, where you know Musk is more interested in settling and preserving the free-natured spirit of Mars. I would it kind of like Mars in the Expanse without the socialism. Although, even I, I, I will say in the show, I am surprised now that we're done with it, pretty much that they didn't really talk about the socialism yeah. of Mars much. Um, or, I mean, thanks, Amazon yeah I mean, yeah the show was on amazon and like <laughs>
0: yeah, <that is> true. <laughs> i mean ed and i have both like read these read the book series like yeah. beginning to end and in the last book that you know just recently came out and i think ed we should do an episode where we get mm-hmm. really into detail about the expanse but yeah you're right like the show had no like you know they didn't talk at all about this the the, the uh, social safety net that was in place in mars a lot of it like was based around like service, you know, they mm-hmm. had to have a fucking, uh, you know, and the Expanse series, they call their spaceships, a Navy. So the, like mm-hmm. the Navy fleet, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you're, you're not a spaceman or an astronaut, if you're on a battleship, you're a fucking sailor, mm-hmm. but you know, that's how they like based it now. And it doesn't shock me that they excluded all that and just made like all the, like, uh, these corporations, you know, like even like light footed, how corporations, Fuck everything up.
1: And I think that that's also a very important thing that, uh, you know, whether or not Bezos is directly involved in it, of course, Bezos's domain does not present an alternative to his space vision, right? Of off-world colonies where earth is zoned for light industry, right? Instead, uh, well, you know, that's his vision and it, and it competes with like the expanse's vision, frankly, where it's like, okay, a lot of the industry is like outside of the planet, in the atmospheres or in the belt, Mars is run by like really like an intense group of uh, socialist, militant, like kind of nationalists who are like, uh, we are going to terraform Earth. I mean uh, Mars, and we are going to turn it into like a, a green uh, paradise, and that that is like their heart and their soul. And they have a support system, a welfare system, like a really kind of robust. Society that is that part of the conflict with earth and the tension is that it's like radically different than earth, which is like overrun in some parts, not solely because of like an overpopulation. They were because corporations were let to run amok, right? Because they didn't self-regulate. They devastated instead, right? The instead, you know, this envisioning from Bezos is that led with a smart, benevolent patron, uh, corporations will do what they must on earth, go to space and uplift industry into space, and then Earth will be like a nice little reserve for everybody. It'll be like Montana or parts of the United States in the books, where just like yeah, basically, want to be Dorte- Dorte. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that's why they cut it off. He was like, if you do this, I will become him. If you do the <laughs> next next few seasons. <laughs> Uh, uh, For listeners who don't follow the series, the books go on for the equivalent of four more series, essentially, I think. Um, uh, And it ends on season six because there's a time jump and because the geopolitics of the show changed substantially. Uh, And and Bezos is pretty similar to this guy who uh, creates, almost creates, a really uh, powerful space empire that almost... Let me, let me add,
0: let me add to this and say that without spoiling the books (laughs) as much as possible, because all in all, these are some pretty great books, Mm -hmm. um, he essentially co-ops the technology that wasn't his in the first place, makes yes. it his own, and utilizes that technology to become essentially overseer for all mankind. Where does that sound fucking familiar?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I I'll mean, let you ruminate on that. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, right. <laughs> but no, you're, you're exactly like Bezos's vision of what the purpose of Blue Origins really is, is to, uh, you know, he couches it in, the, the kind of like progressive language of like climate change and environmentalism. I mean, talk about uh, what, you know, our last uh, Patreon episode was about, you know, looking at like, you know, uh, ecological Leninism through the lens of Andreas Smalls uh, work. Uh, what, what Bezos's vision is, is ecological Bezosism, right? Like that, like that's the ideology that he's using to support his vision for blue origin and for moving into space, right? He doesn't want to move to, uh, to Mars. I mean, you know, it's very, it's very funny to see like Bezos and Musk snipe at each other in the press too, where, uh, you know, Bezos said of, uh, uh of the idea of moving people to Mars and colonizing Mars, right? Quote, do me a favor, go live on top of Mount Everest for a year first and see if you like it, because it's a garden paradise compared to Mars. You know, that was Bezos talking about Elon Musk, but instead what Bezos wants to do uh, is not go colonize Mars. He wants to build these orbital space colonies, right, that are just like massive, massive space colonies, um, you know, each holding a million people or more, and, and and as well, you know, an expansive moon base uh to supply raw materials to these colonies. And and as you were saying, Ed, like the the goal here is to turn Earth into a nature reserve, right? To make it where it's like, you know, y'all heard of space tourism. Well, in the future, there's going to be Earth tourism, right? You're all going to be living on a space colony, and then if you're really rich or you save up enough, uh, then you can go down to Earth and do some tourism uh, in, in the in the in the 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 you know giant nature reserve um, that is that is you know the the our, our origin planet. Yo, Bezos' idea here is he talks about how Bezos has said, you know, he wants to cleanse the earth and wants the bulk of humanity to leave it forever, right, so that it can start to, to heal itself. You know, Mother Gaia will heal herself, um, and he has said, you know, quote, the solar system can easily support a trillion humans, uh, he said in 2018, and then we would have a thousand Einsteins and a thousand Mozarts. But, you know, as Corey points out, right, never mind that a thousand Einsteins and a thousand Mozarts no doubt already live on this planet in obscurity crushed by capitalism. We don't lack geniuses. Rather, most geniuses lack the security that would allow them to flourish. But it's yeah. very interesting that th- this is Bezos's idea of what, like, uh, you know— It's not even equality. It's more, this is what human flourishing will look like. There'll be a trillion people in orbital colonies spread throughout the solar system. And through that, we can then get a thousand Einsteins or a thousand Mozarts. But that, but baked into this is Elysium. That's the science fiction that this is all based on, right? This is all based on a a hyper, uh, inequality. It's not fixing inequality. It's not fixing any of that. Instead, what's 0.1% of a trillion it, what it's like a billion, right? Uh, and and so the idea here is that rather than make redistributing wealth. Uh, and resources and opportunity uh, amongst the people that already live. You just jack up the number of humans. And so by, re- by absolute comparison, it looks better to be like, you got 0.1% of the population. That's a billion people and they're living in luxury and they're living in wealth. Never mind the other 999 billion people that are doing who knows what so that those one, so that those one billion people can uh, give us a thousand Einsteins and a thousand Mozarts, right? Like like when you start doing uh, e- you know inequality math, here starts looking you know really fucking dire.
1: It's also wild because it's like as people have talked about before. I think as Corey has written also in other pieces, you know when you get down to it. This idea to, no matter how you slice it, you know, it is a waste in a major way to go off of the planet at a time when there's so much that needs to be done on the planet, right? Um, You know, I think it was... Was it Carl Sagan? It was either Carl Sagan or Kurt Vonnegut. I think it was Carl Sagan. Oh, no, it wasn't even either of them. It was Stephen J. Gold who said that variant of the quote that uh, Corey laid out. I'm somehow less interested in the weight and convolutions of Einstein's brain than in the near certainty that people of equal talent have lived and died in cotton fields and sweatshops. And, you know, this is why is it that we're not concerned with the emiseration of billions of people on this planet uh, and even more because... Musk and Bezos want to intensify certain uh, supply chains. They want to intensify certain extraction practices. They want to cert- intensify certain economic relationships that will allow for them to construct and build and deploy the infrastructure for the space empires that they want and that are gleaming in their eyes. Right? Well, it's because like they don't care, and it's easier mm-hmm. to just like spin up this bullshit. If you really want to challenge, then colonize Antarctica. You know, colonize the Sahara. Colonize any other part of this planet it will still be a million times easier than mars but difficult because you know what we have on top of all the uh, you know we have an atmosphere right you can actually get help if you fuck up inconceivably right you can you know at least create some you know without much pressure or without much trouble you know trying to create like the basis for either growing or preserving or storing or sustaining food agriculture you know, cattle or whatever else you may need to survive, right? Um, why not, if you really are about the frontierism, do that on Earth. And if you're really about helping people, then why not help people? It's because they're not. They're interested in profit. They're interested in telling the mythos. They're interested in ginning up a line. They're interested in redirecting as much money, power, influence, and autonomy and sovereignty to themselves and to the corporations that will live on beyond them and their children and their children's children. It's just yeah. a really, really, really deeply insidious lie.
2: I mean, yeah, but both visions are based on escapism, right? It's about hitting the big red escape button to be like, yeah. all right, well, we fucked up this planet. So, you know, ain't, ain't no, ain't no saving it. Ain't no fixing it. Uh, we got to look up, a- we got to look abroad to the stars. Socially, Bezos's vision is, you know, sounds a lot like Elysium because technologically it is also based on the same technologies that Elysium based its own, uh, uh, you know, movie and its own, the, the kind of vision that it generated in that, uh, in that movie was based on the same technologies that Jeff Bezos wants to actually put into place, right? It's, it, uh, it's the work of this, you know, Princeton physicist named Gerard O'Neill, who, you know, conceived of these O'Neill cylinders, they're called, which are, you know, as Corey writes, right? These, uh, pairs of ginormous solar-powered habitats that would produce artificial gravity through rotation, um, and they would be filled with, you know, rivers and forests and wildlife and, you know, artificial uh, atmosphere, um, artificial gravity, right? Go, again, Google Elysium, Google the space, co- you know, the, the orbital colonies in Elysium, and that's exactly based on the same uh, writings of this uh, physicist Gerard O'Neill that uh, Jeff Bezos has explicitly said is his own inspiration for what he wants to build and you know so again it's socially and technologically it's Elysium right but also uh, you know surprise surprise if if Elon Musk's vision is based on this you know this will to power, um, that we know Elon Musk has, right? This will to be an imperial uh, feudal lord of some kind. Well, Jeff Bezos's vision is based on being a monopolist, right? Just as he's done it with Amazon. Um, because, you know, who owns the, uh, you know, who who builds the colonies? Who owns them, right? Who controls access to and from space, uh, from space to earth? You know, who controls... All of this—who is the intermediary at the middle of this whole new vision of humanity? It's 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 Jeff Bezos. It's his companies. It's Amazon. It's Blue Origins. Right? Like it is a monopolist move here, uh, and and it is you know it's always very interesting to see that even when they try to you know have these grand ambitions, these billionaires still. End up replicating the one thing they know, the one thing that has made them, uh, ungodly wealthy and powerful and influential. Um, you know, and, and that is still at the basis of their vision for humanity, right? Whether it is being a monopolist or whether it is being some kind of, uh, you know, micromanagerial authoritarian lord, uh, you know, that, that at the end of the day, you know, Jeff Bezos wants to control interplanetary logistics. Elon Musk wants to control an interplanetary, uh, colony. You know, maybe, maybe the, at the, maybe they'll set aside their differences and, and come to consensus, uh, and say, all right, you know, Musk gets, gets the power. Bezos gets the profit of logistics, right? Let's come together. Let's come together for the future of mankind. You know, <laughs> like.
1: starting to sound like Dune, man. <laughs> united we stand divided we fall you just blast that song that should be like the outro song as we talk about bezos um and now we all need to come together we all need i mean i think what i'm hearing in this piece i think what koi really wants us to do is to come together behind bezos because without our help he's not and with you know him and musk are on the wrong path um we should be we should be the grand viziers for our new space lords, as they ascend into their post human, Kurzweilian singulitarian, post syllabic a post polysyllabic um, existence.
0: If we ever find ourselves in a situation where we live in a society where you know you're you're basically left to your own hell on Earth of this planet that has just basically been fucked to death by overuse. And by people just exploiting all of its resources, the people in power sit and die a slow, agonizing death, not knowing that the one person that could save them from their illness is left in the worst part of the world sitting and not knowing that they have the ability in them to create something so significant to change the course of humankind, but never had the opportunity because someone had to make a couple extra billion dollars.
2: Yeah, there is one... uh a very funny part of Jeff Bezos is like, like you know, the the, the kind of next steps he's working to with Blue Origins um, that I want to uh, I want us to quickly talk about as well. Where right? you know, so but you know, so much of this, like the financing of this, is based in like space tourism, right? The idea is that you know, at, at the cheapest end, you know, you spend like a quarter million dollars to go up and do like what William Shatner did or whatever, right? You get to you know go up in a rocket and experience you know orbit uh or 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 near orbit for for a few minutes and then you come back down and you're like, holy shit, I had this, you know, life-changing revelation from doing this to, you know, uh up upwards of spending, you know, multi-million dollars per ticket for you know the the privilege of 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 doing the same, maybe having a more luxurious experience of it. Uh, but you know the the kind of next step with the space tourism is, you know, uh space suburbs. Uh, for Blue Origins, right? Like, you know, Corey writes about how, you know, the reports around, uh, you know, Blue Origin has as, uh, partnered with companies, including Boeing and universities, including my own alma mater, Arizona State University, uh, to build a, quote, mixed-use business park in space called Orbital Reef. This suburban-sounding outpost is supposed to be operational by the end of the decade. I mean, I'm... I remember the reports around Bezos being like, this is the next step in our journey to space. Mixed-use business park. It's going going to be dope. You know, it's going to to be so cool.
1: Mixed-use, mixed-race. We are going to diversify the land and the people here.
2: (laughs) We're (laughs) going to put a sushi restaurant at the bottom
0: of every apartment building in burbs.
1: Every restaurant will be a fusion restaurant. Okay, some of the worst dishes you've ever had. It's gonna be
0: it's gonna be potato and mushroom kibble, people. That's, That's right. what space food's gonna be.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean s- sushi is good, but have you ever had space sushi? Yeah, Damn. y'all like beer. Have you ever had space beer? Don't and, you want al- uh, alcohol powder? Would you like that? <laughs> <It> <laughs> what about dehydrated like, California rolls? It sounds like some funny ass like cowboy beach bop shit, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, like it's, you know, we're, you know, uh, humankind is traversing the cosmos but it's just like these fucking mixed-use business parks some futurama type shit <laughs> where you're like you know y'all 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 heard of working from home what about working from orbit don't that sound cool <laughs> don't that sound cool like it sounds so lame it sounds so lame
0: they they got them doing lines of astronaut ice cream, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> shoot tang. This is old stuff, man. This is the classics. <laughs>
2: Well, like the idea of like the next step is a mixed-use business park. Like, you know, you got the, the International Space Station and then its neighbor is going to be the orbital reef, right? Just, you know, some shit that you would see off of like I-95 or something like that. Uh, you know, like it, 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 it just, it just seems so overwhelmingly lame, which I think is also another big part of these like tech billionaires visions, which is not, not only uh, contained to when they're trying to envision, you know, space, but just like all of the things that they conceive of as like, quote unquote, moonshots, There's a, like an intractable element of lameness to it all. It's all very boring in a, in a lot of ways it's, but, but it's like, Packaged and sold as progress and innovation, because what they do is they do a really boring thing, but they do it in a really hard, complex, resource-intensive way, and like that, like that's what something like Orbital Reef sounds like to me, right? Like at the very, at, at the very least, you know, when like NASA. Uh, or, like, the institution for defense analyses, right? This, like, think tank is trying to think of, like, what would, like, what kind of technologies are needed to actually get people, you know, into space to make it cheaper, more affordable, more certain, and reliable to get people in the space, right? They talk about building, like, you know, uh, the gateway or or space elevators, right? You know, things like that, right? This like, uh, you know, the gateway is this. You know, NASA's roadmap, as Corey writes, NASA's roadmap calls for the construction of a, of a space a station called Gateway in lunar orbit, beginning in 2024. It will serve as a, a staging ground for manned missions to Mars but it's all a bit theoretical. The gateway requires technologies that have not been previously demonstrated at the scale required. The same caveat goes for the tech needed to fly to Mars. But, you know, that's what they think of, right? They think, all right, we need this, like, staging ground to get, you know, to to go further. But instead, Bezos is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that all sounds cool. We'll do that. But first, mixed-use business, Park. It needs to have a commercial... Uh, you know, a uh, business plan baked into it, which makes, again, just makes it all sound so lame. Cause it is. <laughs> Cause it is.
0: Yeah. You know, imagine being so heartless that you spend your wealth on bullshit like that instead of using it to actually help people. You might, you know, like I said before, you might find the person who knows how to create wh- exactly what you're needing. If you fucking spread the field out a little bit and give more people opportunity.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, I don't know. I think it's just like it's also. I find it hard when I am confronted with like the depravity of the space visions because it's like I think an inability on some part of my, on my end to really just accept that we. You know, our world is dominated by people who have totally different interests and understandings of what needs to happen with tech and truly will never really be convinced that what they're doing, the way that they're driving it, the way that they're developing it is making the world worse and dealing huge amounts of psychic and physical damage to people. Right. That Amazon doesn't see a connection between, you know, its warehouses, its coy Pain sketches out, you know, the physical injury at the warehouses, the psychological damage on office staff, and like what will actually happen on whatever installation it thinks that it's going to create for the future of humanity. I mean, even at Blue Origin, it had it's suffering these these things, right? Uh, a culture that's that's marred by toxic workplace culture, sexism, abuse. You know, it's unsafe, uh, suicidal ideation. Right. I mean, this is, and similar with, you know, SpaceX, SlaveX, as you talked about, Jathan. I mean, this is, these are people who are creating, you know, the next East India companies. Um, and for some reason, they've been also allowed. To define the boundaries and the frontiers which we're gonna go to in space, even though, like, they are destroying people's lives on Earth, but it's because of how warped priorities and and viewpoints are in this planet where we don't even really care about the lives that they're warping and the lives that they're destroying. And that's just the price of success, or they're invisibilized, or they're otherwise, in one way or another, not made fully human. They're just subhuman, or they're unpersons, as Orwell used to formulate. They're just people that are made invisible to become invisible, or they're like part of of a calculus to get to that spits out wealth but we forget like what's in the soil and green you know which is people all the stuff that we have all the stuff that these people have comes from crushing billions of pe- hundreds of millions of people billions of people soon if they have their way um and they've somehow figured out to do a trick over time i mean the whole class has where that is seen as like a virtue and a testament to how Noble they are that they're willing to shoulder that burden so that we can go to the next phase of uh, expensive in-flight items. To
2: to to leave us on on you know one last point here is I. I think the total control over both the visions and you know the visions, the capital, the technologies of you know of of going to space of whatever 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 model that is, but but it's all controlled at the end of the day by this this these corporate you know overlords with this model of like you know commercial privatization of space, you know, or these hypothetical off-world colonies or whatever, but I think the maybe the worst part of all this, because, you know, you could say, alright, well, so what if Bezos and Musk want to spend their money on this, right? Granted, it's not just their money they're spending, they're spending a huge amount of public money as well. They were very funny uh, and very revealing kind of details in uh, Corey's article where he talks about how, like, researchers, you know, space researchers and technologists in, in China, for example, are like very jealous of Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos because the, you know, the, the, U- the US government has, Given them such huge lucrative contracts in a way that even in a place like China is just like not available to these private companies uh, wanting to build these technologies. Right. So it's like, there is a bit of irony here of, you know, the, the space race originated, you know, the first space race was this, you know, uh, it was an, an it was anti communism and and U S hegemony was really driving motivation. Now the next space race is you know the U S government doing all the things that they <laughs> that that they you know accuse other other countries of doing of you know giving massive uh, you know lucrative contracts centralizing it all that stuff. But you know at the end of the day it's like all right well isn't going to space good you know isn't this something that we should be searching for right like and I, I think. Uh, you know, out of context, the answer is yes. Like there is a lot of, you know, great leaps in knowledge and information that we can learn. There's a lot of, you know, the, 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 uh, exploring the solar system, which is, you know, that's kind of all the, that's what's like baked into Star Trek, right? Is this like space communism is just like, all right, well, we've achieved everything, right? We have a harmonious society that's, you know, this high tech society that everybody's needs are met. So what's, what's the only thing left for us to do It's to pursue exploration. It's to pursue knowledge. Uh, you know, that, that's the, that's the only thing left for us to do, right? That, you know, that, that's the, the the communist utopia baked into Star Trek. I think the worst part of this, like, tech billionaire space race is not that they're trying to go to space, right? But that they are monopolizing and colonizing our, vision of what it means to go to space, our pathways of how and why we might go to space, right? And, and you know, pushing off the table, anything that would have it as a, a kind of public endeavor, um, as a as a socially useful or socially beneficial endeavor. instead, it has to at the end of the day, still return profit. It has to meet the the interest of power that these billionaires have and these corporations have. Like I think that's the worst part of all this is that it's eliminating, not that they're trying to go to space, but they're they're eliminating any other alternative pathways of actually doing, let alone imagining, how people might spread into space, you know that—that that to me is the worst part um, of, of of you know what Corey calls the dawn of the space lords. Uh, it's that you know it is de facto capture of the public sector by private interest who have. You know, or who are just not held to account, and instead they demand that we, you know, rally around them like fanboys and say, "Hey, this is isn't this fucking cool? Isn't this awesome? Um, hell yeah, go Musk, go Bezos!" Like, you know, rather than trying to imagine collectively a different future for humanity. Yeah, like
1: who's, a go- who's my uh, who's my number one candy baby? You know. Is it Bezos or is it Musk? Who's gonna get a kiss from Space Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> you never seen that? Oh, it's ah. Uh, uh, no. so for there's a this secession um, you know, succession, the the media, the show about um a bunch of people who are trying to get a kiss from their daddy, um, <laughs> uh, and get his love and attention. And there was like a little sp- spoof video uh, where it's like all of them are fighting to instead of getting his media company, they're fighting to get his M&Ms. And so he makes one of them where I had to say, Daddy's number one candy baby. And that's, I just think of every billionaire, like, but specifically Basils and Musk. I mean, that's what they're doing. They want to be, you know, Daddy's number one space baby. Candy space baby. I'm going to, I have to do a fucking song
0: of this. I'm just going (laughs) to have to like, I'm going to have to tone pitch my voice and make it all like, <clears throat> get all get all high pitched on it. No,
2: oh no, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to do it. And and for for listeners, Jeremy didn't put any effects on his voice. See, that was just, <laughs> that was all natural. <laughs>
1: I'm re- I can't. Can I do the word? I'm I'm Bezos. Where's everybody at? My am Bezos.
0: We're going to spells.
1: Woohoo!
0: You should see Jathan's face right now, listener. It's pretty
2: great. Uh, on that note, I'm I'm ending this episode. <laughs> I think that's yeah. That's a good place to put a bow on this. <laughs> Candy Baby. The Daddy's Number One Candy Baby. The Daddy's Number One Candy Baby. Thank you all for listening. Uh, you can find more of uh, of us and maybe less of whatever that was on <laughs> patreon.com slash this machine kills where we have new episodes every single week behind the Patreon uh, paywall. So uh, check us out over there. Um, lots of big stuff coming. I think soon we're going to start our new book club series which is going to be on fucking the massive tome of the dawn of everything by Mm -hmm. david graber and david wingrow we are going to be going through that chapter by chapter uh and that's going to be really really interesting and fun and exciting so check us out there on patreon um so again thank you for listening and until then later adios heavy metal band called Monster Magnet. They were a heavy boy. The singer had no shirt on and leather pants and he was playing like a flying V guitar and he stood on the monitor and he yells at the crowd he said how many of you people feel like human beings tonight? and then he said how many of you people feel like animals? and the thing is everyone cheered after the animals part. But I cheered after the human beings part because I did not know
1: there was a second part to the question.
2: Uh, I said, yes, I do feel like a human. I do not feel like a tree.